It's Monday, May the 3rd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Narendra Modi bruised and Colombia's tax reform withdrawn. First, the world in brief. It was a bad weekend for Narendra Modi, India's Prime Minister. The country reported more than 400,000 daily COVID-19 infections and mass deaths. And his Bharatina Janata party lost three out of four state elections, including West Bengal's. The BJP has been criticised for focusing on elections and staging giant rallies as the second wave of COVID-19 became a tsunami. An industrial lobby urged the government to take, quote, the strongest national steps, including curtailing economic activity, to stem the tide. Mr Modi has been reluctant to impose a second national lockdown, though reportedly his COVID-19 task force has advised it. America and its NATO allies began withdrawing their remaining troops from Afghanistan, a process to be completed by September 11th, 2021. Violence has been worsening and the Taliban insurgents have repudiated an agreement not to attack foreign forces. General Mark Milley, chairman of America's Joint Chiefs of Staff, mulled the possibility of, quote, bad possible outcomes before expressing hope for the best. The American government denied that it had agreed to release $7 billion of frozen Iranian oil funds in exchange for Iran's freeing of four American prisoners. The alleged deal was reported on Iranian state television, which also claimed that Nazanin Zaghari Ratcliffe, a British-Iranian woman, would be released once Britain paid Iran money it owed for military equipment. After four days of sometimes violent demonstrations in cities across Colombia, President Yvonne Duque said he would withdraw the proposed tax reform that had provoked them. Mr Duque had planned to raise income taxes and extend sales tax to public services and some food. On Saturday, riot police were deployed in Bogotá, the capital. Nationwide, at least six people have died in the protests. Manchester United fans stormed the football club's stadium, forcing the postponement of a game with Liverpool, a rival in the English Premier League. Supporters are angry with their side's American owners and their erstwhile plan to join the now-defunct European Super League. Joel Glazer, United's co-chairman, apologised for that misadventure, but fans are still demanding that the Glazer family sell the club. Three people died when a boat suspected of trying to smuggle undocumented migrants into America broke up off the California coast. 27 others were rescued and taken to hospital. In recent months, there has been a marked increase in the number of migrants attempting to enter America by sea. Four astronauts, three American and one Japanese, splash-landed in the Gulf of Mexico, having travelled to and back from the International Space Station in a capsule owned and operated by SpaceX. It was the first successful mission for NASA undertaken by a private company, a model that is expected to become increasingly common. Fact of the day. In every litre of sewage that flows through Britain, there are currently around 1,000 coronavirus particles. In January, there have been as many as 10 million. And now, here's today's agenda. A jab in the dark. Coronavax approval. Today, the World Health Organization will meet to consider the Coronavac vaccine made by Sinovac Biotech, a Beijing-based pharmaceutical company, to decide whether to approve it for emergency use. It began reviewing another Chinese jab made by Sinopharm last week. To get approval, the vaccines need to be both safe and at least 50% effective. One trial suggested Coronavac might be around that mark. But efficacy is hard to assess, particularly with different strains in circulation. 
Real-world data from Chile has suggested that its efficacy might be higher than this. By mid-April, Coronavac had already exported approximately 120 million doses to 19 countries. Nearly 180 million people in China had received it. But WHO approval is necessary if the vaccine is to be distributed through COVAX, the vaccine alliance that many poorer countries rely on for supplies. Approval would also boost confidence in the vaccine globally. Unhappy Birthday Northern Ireland's Centenary Today marks 100 years since the creation of Northern Ireland. The country was brought into existence by the Government of Ireland Act, passed by Westminster in 1920. That partitioned the island of Ireland against the background of a war of independence waged by Irish nationalists. The centenary will be a low-key affair. Events include tree plantings, a church service and a business investment conference. Sinn Féin, the largest nationalist party which seeks to reunify Ireland, sees little to celebrate. Nor do many unionists, who are reeling from Brexit. Under the terms of Britain's exit treaty from the European Union, a trade border has in effect been erected through the Irish Sea, economically separating Northern Ireland from the rest of the United Kingdom. Northern Irish unionists see it as a calamity for British unity and fear political separation will eventually follow. The ructions saw Arlene Foster ejected by her colleagues as the leader of the Democratic Unionist Party, the province's biggest pro-UK party, on Wednesday. Competitive Apple and Epic Games Apple and Epic Games, a video game developer, will meet in a court in California today. At issue is whether the tight control Apple exerts over the software that runs on its smartphones amounts to a monopolistic abuse of power. In August, Apple banished the game Fortnite from its App Store after Epic offered users discounts on in-game currency and cash purchases if they bought from them directly. Epic has already undercut other platforms with its Epic Games Store, which takes a 12% cut on PC games rather than the standard 30. The firm argues that by preventing rivals from doing something similar for iPhones, Apple is abusing its market power. The problem stretches beyond video games. On April 21st, American lawmakers heard complaints from Match Group, Tile and other developers about Apple's business model. And on April 30th, the European Commission accused Apple of anti-competitive behaviour, upholding a complaint from Spotify, a music streaming service. Crude Awakening The Dakota Access Pipeline Today, the US Army Corps of Engineers, an American federal agency, must give an update on when it will complete its review of the Dakota Access Pipeline. It must also say whether the pipeline, which carries 570,000 barrels per day of crude oil out of North Dakota, should be shut during the review process. The decision will be the latest in a long-standing legal battle between the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe and the pipeline's developer. Tribes people and environmentalists argue that the pipeline threatens the Standing Rock Sioux's sacred sites and water supply. But the pipeline's supporters say that shutting it down could add $5 a barrel in shipping costs to North Dakotan crude oil. On Thursday, the developers announced that they will ask America's Supreme Court to take up the case. Many progressives were cheered when the Biden administration shut the Keystone XL, a similarly controversial pipeline, but are yet to see the same hopes realised in North Dakota. The Life of Amy Tan Unintended Memoir Amy Tan was once a freelance business writer who penned stories as a hobby to escape the stresses of her job. 
Now, almost four decades later, she is an acclaimed novelist and the subject of a documentary that had its premiere at this year's Sundance Festival. Amy Tan Unintended Memoir, which airs today on PBS, draws on archival imagery and interviews with Miss Tan's friends and family to paint a portrait of the author. The film reveals quite how much the Joy Luck Club, Miss Tan's 1989 novel about the clashes and connections between Chinese immigrant mothers and their American-born daughters, is autobiographical. A California-born writer recalls fighting often with her Chinese mother, before coming to understand the trauma she had faced and unwittingly passed on to her daughter. Miss Tan opens up about her own subsequent struggles, but also describes how they have inspired her writing, which in turn has helped her heal. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Pete Seeger, who was born on this day in 1919. Education is what you get when you read the fine print. Experience is what you get when you don't. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.